0: Hello, and welcome to the Constructor Cast, your AGC place for all the news, views, and interviews relevant to your construction business. I'm your host, Amy Hager. Today, we're talking about emerging technologies and innovation in construction. We'll reflect on the past and look to the future uh, with a very large panel today. So, to get started, I want to ask our panelists to introduce themselves. Nathan, let's start with you.
1: Uh, Thanks, Amy. Uh, Nathan Wood here, uh, Chief Enabling Officer of Spectrum AEC, and I'm also the Executive Director of the Construction Progress Coalition, and uh, I'm based here in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Amy. This is Rick Kahn, Senior Director of Innovation at Mortensen, based out of Minneapolis.
2: Hi, Amy. How's it going? It's Andrew Lindsay here. I am the Director of Applied Research and Development for Alpha Corporation, uh, the Co-Founder and Executive Director for the International Education Infrastructure Alliance, and a steering committee member for University College London's uh, Bartlett School of the Built Environment's uh, Construction Blockchain Consortium.
3: Hi, Amy. Steve Montane. I oversee underwriting for major accounts casualty for Chubb. That's primary ac- in excess uh, in the U.S., and I am based in New York City.
4: Uh, hi, Amy. My name is Steve Mock. I am the uh, co founder and president of Advanced Construction Robotics and also the CEO of uh, Heavy Civil Contractor, Brayman Construction Corporation, located here in Pittsburgh.
5: Hi, Amy. Jeremy Searock, co-founder and vice president of Advanced Construction Robotics.
0: Perfect. So, and I want to start with Steve and Jeremy, and I need to add that their company also won AGC's first innovation awards in 2018 for its TIEBOT invention, and that's really what we're going to start off with. So, Steve, Jeremy, what is a TIEBOT? Well,
4: Tybot tie is... Uh, in simplest terms, it's a fully autonomous robot that ties rebar, designed initially to tie rebar specifically on bridge decks.
0: And so then what issues does it solve on a construction site?
4: So on construct you know, in the construction industry our, our challenges right now are labor availability, labor productivities, mm-hmm. demanding schedules, and safety concerns. And so fortunately, TyBot addresses each of those challenges, Uh, safety first in that a repetitive motion requires individuals to be bent over for hours and hours on a day doing repetitive tasks with their hands and wrists. So uh, they're also walking on uneven surfaces, and it tends to be an accident-prone area. Mm -hmm. So TyBot eliminates the safety risk or much of that safety risk by replacing five or six or seven people with a quality control technician and one robot. That leads us into uh, labor and labor availability. The the robot is reducing significantly the number of people involved in that critical path activity on a bridge deck. Mm-hmm. And then following through on a critical path, um, the robot executes efficiently and it allows a contractor's manpower to carry in place re- uh, rebar and not have to step back and tie it so it allows them to keep the schedule moving forward so it reduces schedule time reduces labor costs reduces safety
0: risks and so you guys developed this then for your company to use right
4: no we i mean we as a as, at Brayman construction we we've personally faced the challenges of labor availability and declining labor productivities, but we developed this with the mind to the entire industry, not just to our company, not just to bridge construction. The robot is also capable of doing rebar tying on a ground slab. So we've developed this robot with a focus to helping to automate the, uh, the construction industry in this specific task.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. So it's available basically for anyone to use.
5: That's right. I mean, it's often a question we get from, you know, this is the first heavy civil construction robot out there, and and people often think, well, that sounds cool, but is it real? I mean, Mm -hmm. we've had a bunch (laughs) of contractors come to our facility and and come see the robot just to convince themselves, you know, it's a real robot, and it it is. Um, We actually just had a general contractor in this morning Um, And he was blown away about how fast it went, and and we're about to sign them up for some jobs this season. So it's absolutely available today, um, and we encourage people to go to our website, www.tybotllc.com, and get some more information.
0: So then how long does it actually take to be trained and ready to use this type of equipment since it's so new?
5: Right. So we really designed this robot, TyBot, from day one to be very easily integrate it into current operations. And we got to do that because I got to work closely with, with the folks here at Brayman Construction in order to make sure we made a smart decision about what robots do um, and what the, the humans do. Because it doesn't, there's still a person that goes along with Tybot in order to uh, supervise its operations and replace the wire. And so it's fairly easy. Um, in other words, one of the common questions we get asked is. You know, do you have to put the bridge plans or the rebar plans into the robot? Do you have to manually program it? And the answer is no. Um, you know, this, the technology behind this, this robot is more like a self-driving car, meaning that um, it has cameras, it sees the rebar just like a human sees the rebar, Identifies the intersections, um, and then it has its own sort of sense of situational awareness, where it knows where to put the tying device in order to go tie it quickly. So once the robot shows up the site and we crane it on to, to the bridge and we turn on the engine, um, that's about it that the operator needs to do, and it, it goes off and, and ties rebar all day. We do about um, you know eight thousand ties per ten hour shift, which could be you know six, seven, eight, nine workers' worth of work every day.
0: That's really great. And so what would you encourage others when they're thinking about inventing or being innovative at their company?
4: You know, it's, it's interesting you ask that, Amy. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been a bit of a watershed here uh, since TyBot has gone public. Um, you know, our mission at Advanced Construction Robotics is to basically uh, disrupt in a good way. The productivities in the construction industry. And we have a, a, a pretty good list of projects that we're working on. We'll be announcing the uh, the second robot here in the first quarter of this year. And the, the watershed has come from, you know, other contractors and other people involved in the construction industry who have ideas. You know, they, they have thoughts about various elements of the work that we do, and they're curious whether that's on our our to-do list. And we've got a pretty long to-do list of Mm -hmm. uh, robotic applications. And and our our strategy is really to start with the low-hanging fruit, to start with things that generate injuries, that is not very attractive work to our crews, and where we can make a really significant reduction of labor hours and provide increased productivities at the same time.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I guess that really ties well to our next thing about increasing productivity in blockchain. And it's something that I've been trying to understand but absolutely can't. So, Andrew, can you explain the basics of blockchain?
2: Yeah, most definitely, Amy. Um, So I think it's easiest to Start off at a really high level and then dive into the technical details, although I'm not going to try to go too far into the weeds because I think it would almost be disadvantageous. Um, So broadly speaking, uh, blockchain technology focuses on uh, the trust infrastructure that is in place um, as information is shared digitally. And so that, that's a very high level definition. But what blockchain does is it allows for there to, to be an added layer of security when it comes to exchanging this information digitally. Um, so one of the biggest things that the construction industry as a whole has been facing is really how best to leverage the benefits and capabilities of technology while also preserving things like competitive market advantages, um, proprietary value, um, mitigating risk and and liability. Mm -hmm. So in understanding that then, there needs to be a way to best track who has ownership of what, when. And that also can take place both between the the human side of things as well as the digital side of things. Hmm. And so to dive a little bit more specifically into the technical side, the way it does that is, as information is exchanged between, say, humans and technologies in a digital space, all of that information gives off bits and pieces of data. So that data can be a reflection that the, the, the information exists broadly. The, uh, that data could also be a reflection that the, the information at hand has been verified by a number of multiple parties. And so what the blockchain structure does is it layers over uh, the programs that are in place now or can actually bolster a a program developed specifically for this purpose. Hmm. And it can track the flow of information between multiple parties. Hmm. So if I say sent uh, uh, over an updated design, what would happen would then be that the, the blockchain system would verify that that information had been exchanged from me to you it would verify when that information had been exchanged, and it would also verify, if so desired, that that information was verified by an appropriate party to make that decision. And so what you're able to do as all of, of these decisions, as this information gets, goes between multiple parties— is you're able to create what what is broadly referred to as a digital ledger mm-hmm. or a distributed ledger of every bit of information that is actually flowed between multiple parties. Okay. So to give it to give it say one step further then, when you think about blockchain technology on a construction project, there are a variety of different ways that it can be used. And I, I, I want that to be really clear because We're not talking about the next Google or the next Facebook, but I think the better way to think about it is, you know, when banking platforms started using encryption or, you know, when people were able to start changing information on websites rather than posting static information on digital databases. We're talking about a brand-new technology that directly affects high-value interactions where most every interaction in a construction project is exactly that. And many of the the project inefficiencies are drawn as a byproduct of miscommunication and and rework. And so when you consider them layering over a blockchain platform that essentially allows for everybody to have secure access to the most updated information at any given point in time.
0: So then, Steve, let's talk a little more about the potential impacts on the industry and what the future looks like as construction adapts blockchain.
3: Yeah, there, there are so many different use cases that are being explored out there right now, and there's a ton of opportunity across various sectors. Um, and as it pertains to construction and, and from a high-level perspective, and, and Andrew made this point as well, think about how many different parties, from owners and lenders to architects and engineers to the contractors and vendors, And the contracts themselves that are associated with just one construction project. we have some projects that we ensure that have over 100 contractors on and off the site at various times over the course of a project's life cycle. And that's just one project. It's a lot of data. It's a lot of information that needs to be kept track of over a long period of time and for which applications such as blockchain can help improve efficiencies tremendously. Smart contracts, that can speed up claims processing as well as policy issuance. Think about the life cycle of a claim an insurance claim and the longer a claim takes to settle or get resolved the more costly it becomes mm-hmm. and we spend a great deal of time in the construction claims world looking for and researching information that we don't have readily available to us so who is on site and when were they on site when did they come off the site do we have copies of the contracts amendments to those contracts do we have accurate exposure records do we have the architectural drawings And now we have a way to access, retain, and share this information much more efficiently with blockchain. Which, by the way, this will have positive regulatory and compliance impacts as well.
0: Okay. And so, Andrew, do you have anything else to add when we're talking about the future or the potential impacts this has on the construction industry?
2: You know, starting off from the top. Uh, In practice, on a construction site, one of the ways that you'll likely see this is that everybody will continue to use the same platforms that they've always used, Mm -hmm. except for information will be periodically, likely uh, over a a very specific time frame, uh, will be periodically updated. And so, to give you an example, say I have a, a supplier that reports to me that there's a delay. As Steve pointed out, that would likely result currently in a very sequential process where then I have either a construction manager or a project manager who's relaying that information to all the different parties who are then accounting for what that looks like in practice to their own tasks at hand. The difficulty is is that the inefficiencies created by that are massive. And so what, what this would allow is, say, if a supplier reports a delay, then my contract will report a delay, which will then report a delay to my subcontractor's task schedule, which will then report a delay to my overall scheduling plan, which will then report a delay to my financing plan, which will then report a delay to my insurers and my financing agencies. Things where that real-time flow of information doesn't exist. But that's just the first application. Then if you take it then one step further, imagine if you could record your project history or your uh, consultant's credentials and have them be verified on the spot. Well, now, if I do, say, a public procurement process, that uh, agency doesn't have to then redundantly go through my project history every single time. They would be able to know through uh, third-party verification that I had done the projects I had said I had done. I did them as well as I said that I had done them. And here are the specific people that have verified that, it, that that this was the case. Hmm. So then, your project, your procurement efficiencies and your bidding efficiencies are immediate. Yeah. Then, if you take it a step further with and and this will lead into a subject we'll get into, but you know some of the drawbacks for BIM. Um, if you're able to collaborate on a Revit model and actually know who contributed what when, the proprietary concerns around the, those contributions. Are actually alleviated heavily okay and then if you you know these different applications keep going in all areas of the the construction process management model as well as going a step further the facility information management model which has a lot of different impacts from tangential parties as well
0: well so i feel like Basically, to understand blockchain, it probably is easier to have a diagram with all the arrows pointing to everything that's connected. Is there any resource that you could recommend our listeners go to easily understand blockchain out there? I I
2: can't speak for Steve, but my go-to resource for blockchain everything
0: Mm
2: -hmm. is an organization called BTC Inc., um, BTC Inc. is the world's largest uh, blockchain focused media organization, and they have uh, purchased Bitcoin Magazine, um, and they really are the foremost thought leaders in the space.
0: And Steve, how about you?
3: Yeah, just to, to add to that, I mean, there's so much information that's out there uh, now, especially as blockchain has so much momentum over the last few years. Um, but if you're like me, we're a crossover between the insurance industry and the construction industry. Blockchain Insurance Industry Initiative, uh, as well as Risk Block Alliance, both have a lot of material um, readily available and accessible uh, on their sites. If you're you know, just getting into blockchain or just trying to understand what it is and the impacts, um, in particular the insurance industry, but an organization that Andrew's also involved with, the Construction Blockchain Consortium, can, can give some uh, information that will help beginners uh, learn more and how, what the impacts can be to uh,
2: both construction and insurance. Uh, Yes, that's a a great resource, uh, as Steve noted. Um, And similarly to B3I or Risk Block Alliance, um, the CBC really focuses on doing the same types of things in the construction world, of bringing together uh, various parties in the AEC industry and and, and building out and best understanding uh, what this this technology is, what does it look like in practice, and what are its impacts. You can go to constructionblockchain.org.
0: Well, I think the one thing about blockchain and now leading on to our next conversation is I feel like ten years ago, this is how we all felt about BIM. And we haven't we can't have a technology conversation without talking about BIM. So Rick, do you think BIM has been used in ways that it was originally intended for when it was first created? And how has the industry adapted?
6: Yeah, you know, to to be quite honest, I don't think it's being used the way it really meant was meant to be used, not at scale anyways. There are still pockets of excellence of the use of BIM in the AEC firms across the country and even the world, but there's still massive gaps of capabilities that exist in our market, and that's really holding back the true value of BIM to to really um, come to life. Mm -hmm. I think there's massive opportunities when you think about using a 3D digital prototype to use as a design tool then to, as a coordination tool, then a buyout tool, an assembling tool, and finally as a building tool to help direct these facilities, using BIM as that common medium for stakeholders. The industry is still in the process of adapting to BIM and how it's really meant to be used to drive value to their internal businesses and also to their external customers. I think most we still see most, still see most uh, disciplines or using BIM in silos or through limited access. And I really appreciate the conversation before around blockchain and Andrew and Steve talking about the connection to BIM because we rely heavily on collaboration across multiple stakeholders in different disciplines to be able to design and build a facility. So, you know, being able to track that transition of information and security through the model as well as through the supply chain is going to be a huge um, potential there still with BIM.
0: So then what do you think the future of BIM technology looks like?
6: Yeah, you know, as we get over our social and legal barriers, that right? Yes, step one. Yeah, (laughs) step one, right? And and 10 years later, 15 years later, we're still kind of working through that process. Mm -hmm. But BIM can become that unifying medium which helps integrate the supply chain. Um, A lot of, Other industries have a parts list, and that parts list can lead back to a 3D model, for instance. And that part list can be tracked throughout the supply chain. In the construction industry, we still don't have that. But I think as as BIM becomes more and more um, uh, matured in the industry and and manufacturers and OEMs are providing, you know, OEM models to the design and construction, industries, will start seeing a more industrialized workflow. Uh-huh. And I think the future is going to be BIM as a central hub of the industrialized construction movement, and where modulization and prefabrication are commonplace. BIM will play that key integral role in the supply chain from a technology standpoint.
0: Well, I was just going to say to you, really, is it going to morph into something different? And I, I don't know if people had thought about that when BIM was originally created.
6: Yeah, if you, if you think about... The BIM itself, it's meant to be this one source of truth, if you will, around the 3D information. But what we do is kind of take that information, slice it up, and dumb it down into 2D information so mm-hmm. our building departments and our regulatory agencies can actually um, leverage the information. But I think the technology will continue to evolve, but the transformation will be more on a social side for the stakeholders better understand how to leverage that technology to deliver value,
0: uh-huh.
6: not just use them to document the design and coordinate facilities.
0: That makes sense. So there's one last point that I kind of want to talk about while we're all here today, and Nathan, this this comes down to you. One thing that the Construction Progress Coalition focuses on is Common Data Exchange, or CDX. What is that, and why is it as important for the industry, especially as we're developing with new technology?
1: Yeah, thanks, Amy. You know, I think to to hopefully tie all of this uh, spectrum of what we've just talked about with technology,
0: you know, to really understand what the CDX
1: is, we actually have to go back to uh, where the construction, uh, originally PDF Coalition, now Construction Progress Coalition, was founded in 2013 between uh, Sasha Reed from Bluebeam and Kyle Hughes, who was with Skanska uh, at the time, really around uh, some shared pains that we were facing with just standards of how PDF drawings were created from uh, a, a designer's a solution and how we use them in construction for collaboration and markups uh, and so forth. And, and that really spurred an understanding of really this is becoming less and less a technology problem. And, and as Rick was sort of alluding to, more of a, a people and a process problem, And um, we also learned in in 2016 that there was another organization that was working on this already um, that uh, I'm sure uh, you'll know, Amy, through AGC, the original Construction Open Standards Alliance uh, that came more from the technology and software side of the world. Uh, They they partnered together to advance forward the AGC XML, which has a lot of great standards for RFIs, submittals, like all these kind of basic interoperability that that blockchain should be involved in, that uh, BIM should obviously be involved in. Uh, across the board, um, but the, the problem, again, is how do we understand how to use these standards and how they connect right. to one another is, is sort of how we lead to this this common data exchange because at the end of the day, you know, not only do we have these these older uh, open file formats, but we also have new ones, not just blockchain, but also uh, APIs, you know, this open API where it seems like every software can talk to every other software, but when you actually try and do it, it doesn't quite work as as uh, as advertised. And I think a lot of that is because we're not breaking down the, the who, what, where, when, and most importantly, why we're integrating this data and really understanding the the, the business logic um, and the, the rules that are going to be different from every single pro- across every single project of, you know, what data should I share from a trade contractor to a general contractor, from a GC to an architect, because from a design-build project to a hard bid, that's going to be very different. And so th- this common data exchange, the CDX is – Really, it's a a business language to help project teams and help companies build their tech stack is is a new term that we're talking about of kind of what are all the different tools and platforms and databases that you use as a company and how do they talk to one another. That is your tech stack. Mm -hmm. And the CDX is really the language that uh, organizations and project teams can use to get over this adoption hurdle that we're all talking about.
0: And so when we think about the blockchain, we think about the BIMs and even the Tybots and the robots that are talking. I mean, these are three very different technologies, but yet they're all going to be interconnected some way. And so really that's what Construction Progress Coalition is looking to kind of overcome is how do these random things still work in the construction industry actually talk to each other
1: and and the tie is a great example that you know that you guys brought up already that it doesn't need to reference pre-design information in order to do what it does and there are a lot of automated tools out there that are are gaining a huge foothold because they don't have to rely on most likely unreliable design information that's kind of what folks are alluding to when they say that but as rick was alluding to like what if we could rely on that information how might we do that differently I think we're, we're at the point now where the technology is certainly there for us, and it's really you know up to us to, to put all those pieces together and rearrange how we design and collaborate and, and go towards that DFMA, design for manufacturing assembly, which is another big term that's in the industry.
0: And I think that is a great thought to end on. Thank you all for taking time to chat about technology today, and I want to thank you all for listening. This has been the AGC Constructor Cast.